This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Forever Bristol City podcast with me, Dave Pottier, uh, Green and Ian, formerly Bristol boy, Dave Fevs, uh, Green and Mark, to uh, those who know him well. Well, what an outstanding second half it was today. The final score at Ashton Gate, Bristol City 2, Sheffield Wednesday nil. The goals came just on the hour when uh, Tommy Rowe ran the ball in after a great cushion header from Martin. And then uh, in the beginning of stoppage time, right at the end, Semenyo was doing a great job shielding the ball at the corner flag before uh, Pato took the ball off his feet, burst into the box and curled a stunning shot to pass the outstretched keeper. So 2-0 the score. I'm going to go to each of you and I'll start with, uh, with Dave Fevs. Uh, each of you, just a quick sort of summary of the game as you saw it, the proverbial game of two halves. Dave Fevs first, over to you. Yeah, I, I thought it was a bit of a, a sloppy first half. I thought we tried to force the play a bit too much when perhaps a bit more considered possession might have helped us. Um, but then second half, we came out and I just thought it was a very, very, very strong second half performance where we just got better and better. And, you know, I think we deservedly ran out winners at the end. Yeah. Ian, your thoughts on, uh, brief thoughts to begin with on the 90 minutes action? I would have said the, the same as Dave, sloppy in the first half. Uh, came out of it 50-50. Um, second half, 70-30, and thoroughly deserved the win. Yeah, good show. And uh, Mark, your your thoughts on that uh, 90, uh, 90 minutes action this afternoon? It was comprehensive, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, first half where uh, Sheffield Wednesday counter-attacked well with Bannon and Luongo looking imperious in midfield. Second half, we were fearless and restricting them to just one off-target shot on goal. We just played our own game, pushed higher up the pitch and ran out deserved winners. Uh, 2-0 flatter Wednesday in the end because City were that good in the second half. It just needed some better finishing and we're top of the league, everybody, after three Absolutely. games. I know, I know. Now, if somebody's listening, you can go and do the stats. I'm trying to work out the last time we won three straight games at the start of a season at this level. I mean, I looked back very quickly and certainly at this level, I have to go back to 1919-20 when at this level, maybe we did it in League One. So if anyone is listening and they want to look at the stats, let's see when we last won three in a row. But uh, look, let's start. I'll come to you first, Ian, on the, the team selection. No real surprise, but then maybe those that didn't even make the bench was the biggest surprise. But Ian, your thoughts on the, the team lineup? Same as last week, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, the, the only place where we've got what you could call an actual oversupply of players and then with a big addendum if everyone's fit is central midfield and in terms of central midfield I'll include number 10s in there um, where we've got probably 10 of those players and we've got another couple that can fill in there. Um, Now a point I made earlier on Radio Bristol was that Yes, Tommy Rowe's a good player, but you can only play one position. So you can only count him once in a team. You can't say, well, he can play centre mid, 
He can play left back, left wing back, or he can possibly play left centre back. But he can only play one of those positions. So it was really good to see Jada Silva back on the bench. Um, I wouldn't let anybody out of the club uh, until such time as the injuries that we've got uh, clear up. Uh, and if Kalas is out for two months as opposed to a month, um, then we need to bring in a new centre-back. Bear in mind that we've already got um, Bakes out until Christmas anyway. So we need yep. to do that. And um, after all that's done and we've got Walsh, who I'm very worried about, Morell and uh, Williams back, then you can start to say, well, OK, we might be able to let um, Han Noir go out on loan somewhere to, to well, give let's talk, the let's talk about, Let's talk about transfer as a separate thing uh, towards the end, but the lineup was no yeah. real surprise. I'll come to you next, no. uh, Dave. Um, Dave, up front, Wells and Martin, that was a starting uh, pairing with, I say, Semenyo and uh, Pham on the bench. Um, no surprise there for you, really, that those two lined up, uh, up, up front at the start? No, not at all. No, I think they're the the first choice pairing at the moment whilst we've got Vyman in midfield and I think with Semenyo on the on the bench as well I think it's interesting in the last couple of games now we've seen Semenyo come on before Fam, and I think that kind of tells us what the pecking order is at the moment and I think it, it all kind of hankers well for Dean kind of being very um, consistent in his selection policy if you're playing well you know you'll get the shirt or you'll keep the shirt and if you know players like Semenyo are pushing from the bench he's not going to you know bring on the named player ahead of him. Um, so I think that, that bodes well. No, no surprise yeah. in the 11 that was picked there. Yeah, Mark, Backinson is like having our own version of Patrick Vieira and Carlton Palmer was the name I was trying to think of from the 80s and 90s. But it is like having a new signing the way he's come in and he's he's the anchor point in midfield. Did you, like me, feel a little bit worried that uh, we were a bit exposed uh, against uh, Wednesday? It was particularly had the uh, infamous, or maybe not on today's show, in Barry Bannon playing for them. But Backinson, uh, what a player he's uh, proved to be in the early days this season. Yeah, I mean, he looked a little bit exposed in the first half, but the guy just plays—he just plays upright. Uh, you know, runs like Michael Johnson. He, he just—he doesn't dive in. He just glides along the pitch, makes interceptions, keeps playing the ball forward. He reads the game incredibly well for a player who's only played a handful of Championship games, and he's just so reliable. He doesn't really get unflustered. And I think the thing about where we are at the moment is we've got two players for every position really bar the central defence and that's where we're a bit stretched. But I mean, what can you what can you say when you've got a player like like Backinson, we got from uh, for, from uh, Luton for what for half a million I think it was, wasn't it, Dave? Uh, yes, right. Yep. A, a couple of seasons ago. He's played at League Two level. He's he's never played at this this higher level before, but you never know. The way he plays, yeah. you never know. And I think yeah. if he'd have played in the first half of the game against Coventry, you'd have seen a different game. But he's played the last two games and he's been marvellous. I wouldn't he's say he was great well. in the first half, but the second half no. we pushed up and we just pinned Wednesday back. They just weren't allowed to play because we yeah. went about our business and decided to go and win the game. We weren't worried about what Wednesday were going to do. We yeah. just went out there to win the game and that's why we, we, we ran out with victors. Simple as uh, that. Can I, Dave, oh, can good. I make a oh, quick point quick on point. Backinson? Yep. Yeah, make a quick point on Backinson. Could yep. we please not... He's a young lad... Can we please not kill him by Christmas? Yeah, I think no, it'll help point. when I think it'll help when Joe, uh, Joe Williams is back because that I think is a position he was signed to play. Yeah, uh, not that he can't play anywhere else in midfield, but I think that was a position he was signed to play. But you know, it, if we need to give the lad a rest it, when we get round to playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, um, I, I think that would be a, a, a great option. We we you know we don't want to. Um, Kill the goose that lays the golden egg, so to speak. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Dave, uh, you were getting plaudits on the Sheffield Wednesday uh, fans forum this morning. Your analysis of how they lined up and how they played. Somebody said Gary Monk should uh, listen uh, to you <laughs> and some claim that you seem to know more about them than a lot of, they, a lot of them did themselves. But uh, Dave, <laughs> she, the way Sheffield Wednesday approached us, was it that... Um, was it that they were good or what? How did, did they 
play how you expected in the first half? I, I don't think as a, as a team. I don't think as a team they played any, any differently to how I I expected them to. Dave, are you still there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, Dave, I, I can hear you. I think it's just Dave P that can't hear you. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just recap. I don't think they they started any any differently to how I thought played any differently to how I thought they would. I thought thought it was quite interesting from their team selection. Didn't find out till later that Matt Penny, their left wing back, was injured. But they actually went with a slightly more defensive looking. Um, Let's look through the, uh, in his, in his place. Uh, and what I did. You okay, Dave? During. We got we got a technical uh, problem here. And uh, our opening goal, good call by there. And there was uh, running the uh, ball into the net for the opening goal. Guys, looks like you're back in the studio now. Can you hear me? Are you all there? Yeah, Dave. We we were all here anyway, mate. It was you. It was was um, doing a bit of a solo there and doing a bit of a Norman Collier. So I think you might have. Uh, I think you. I think you might yeah, have microphone problems. So yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, know I can hear. Did you all pick up what I was saying about there? I was just going on to say that I thought that they yeah Matt Penny, they, Matt Penny was injured. Yeah, so I, I think they actually went with a slightly more cautious lineup, and I think that might be perhaps what they do away from home. So they hello up Mark, are you back in the Liam. room now? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, they, they end up playing Liam Palmer as the as the right wing back and pushing Harris over onto the left side, and I thought that actually suited us because I think it'd be quite interesting if Harris would have played up against Tommy Rowe today. But the fact he played up against Jack Hunt, I thought was a bit of a a boost for us and they didn't play Jordan Rhodes they played Kachunga and that slightly changed their dynamic up top as well so yeah I, I thought we competed well against some some they, they got some talented players in their squad Wednesday no doubt about it um, but uh, no I, I thought overall I, I would have said our defending yeah, was excellent what did you, in limiting uh, them to think the chances they had Yeah, I think I think we've got some problems with Dave at the moment, haven't we? Yeah, I, I've lost I've lost him. Can you all hear me? Okay, can we? Yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's, let's, I'll, I'll just go on a minute. Should we? Should we give the team um, go through the team and give them a, a mark out of ten? And if you like, yeah. I'll go first, and then you lads come back with what you you think the mark should have been. Uh, mine was uh, Bentley eight, Viner and Moore eight, Mawson seven, uh, Hunt. Vyman, Bakinson, Patterson in row, all seven. Naki Wells, seven, who I thought his overall game was much better today. And uh, Dave Martin. You there? Yeah, I, I can. I lost uh, Ian then. I lost Ian at the end as well. I, I, I think kind of generally, I think, you know, m most of the team were, you know, sevens with with the odd eight in there i think it was a pretty solid team performance as well um i thought backinson had a bit of a tough first half um, but came through it quite well um and then i thought you know as, as ian said i thought wells got into the game much more in the second half and i thought his his work with with chris martin was kind of how we managed to to get the midfield linked up and our wide our, our wing backs uh, forward as well and i thought that was the kind of turning point in the game was getting those two into the game yeah, I'd agree. I thought um, Wells, he, he drops off his defender and finds space. Very good with link-up play, crossing the ball in from the right. He doesn't just wait for things to happen. And it was Martin who was really shut out in the first half. And because we played higher up the pitch, we were, we were able to find him. But he drops off as well. And that's a uh, cushion header for the first goal, where Rowe, followed it, where Rowe came off his line. was was a terrific team. Move. Absolutely great goal. I haven't seen the goal, goal back, Mark, but... I kind of when it first came over, I thought Martin's going to try and head for a goal, and I think there was one of our own players behind him, and I thought, you know, there's a chance to kind of get the ball down here. In fact, he, he laid it into Rose's path, and Rose slotted it home. You know, it was, a, it was a really good build up to the goal as well. But we'd have a good spell of pressure up, up till then as well. I thought we, we we were looking the stronger side by then. Yeah, what do you say? Go, ball, go, yeah, good ball in from um, Naki Wells. 
uh, to Martin, um, bearing in mind that's what I said about his overall game. And I think to, one thing I'll say about Tommy Rowe, I think he'll get more goals and assists playing that position over a season than uh, Jada Silva would. Yeah, he can certainly strike the ball more cleanly like he did against Birmingham last season when Palmer pl played the ball inside the fullback. Running onto it, he hits the ball. I don't think Silva. I, I don't think the Silva scored a a, a goal. It's a, a, a first class football uh, so so far uh, in the EFL. But of course, Rowe scored plenty for Doncaster and around the leagues, and he does hit it very well from and from distance. So, but dropping off the line like that and completing a team move is not the sort of player you'd expect to score. But he, he just does that, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think Tommy yeah. Rowe yeah. is an excellent footballer. I don't think I mean okay, we were playing Villa the other, Villa the other night, and it's okay people saying well it was a bit of a second string. You know that just means instead of playing against forty million pound players, you're playing against twenty million pound players. <laughs> but I think that T Tommy Rowe is a good pro, and I, I think in the same sort of mould as Jack Hunt. And people will be critical of Jack Hunt, or they are sometimes. But you have to remember that I think it was only Nicholas Eliasson that got more assists than Jack Hunt last season. And we need that crossing in those goals and assists. And I think Jack Hunt and Tommy Rowe are both warriors as well. And you, you can always do with a few of them in a the team. Yeah, I, I, yeah, just on Jack Hunt, I if, if you'd have had to push me for a, a man of the match day, because I, I thought it was quite difficult to, to pick one player out today, Jack Hunt was probably... Might have just shaded it for, for me. I, I made a comment on Otiv at, at halftime that... Jack Hunt spent a lot of time in that first half just dragging Kadeem Harris back and back and back. He didn't always get the ball. We didn't make use of the space that he created as a result. But I think he, Kadeem Harris tired, and that's why he started giving away fouls and things like that. He wasn't the threat. And I think Jack Hunt played a massive part in that. And I thought he was really good on the ball today. Jack sometimes can be a bit sloppy with his passing, but I thought he was really good today. Probably one of his better performances for us for quite yeah. a while. Yeah, the 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 longer balls were better yeah, as well because guys, I'm, the short I'm back stuff. in the room now. <laughs> oh, Hello, wonderful. Um, I think. Yeah, I'm back. The, the, I'm back. The, I have ordered a new set of headphones from uh, from Amazon. I was just going to endorse what you were saying about uh, Jack Hunt because, again, as we all know, he played was it over 200 games for Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, that's. Uh, pretty impressive so he had somebody something to prove there and uh, I think it was Albuquerque one of our listeners he felt that was the best game Tommy Rose played in a city shirt interesting you guys uh, well certainly one of you said difficult to name a man of the match now while I was uh, technically absent did you go through giving your player ratings or should we move on to that now yes and we can uh, challenge uh, my thoughts well, like we I did, did last week yeah all right well, I so, didn't mind, Dave, if, if you, did. you want to do you yours, did yours. Well, let me do mine. Let me do mine and see what the other guys say. All right. And I know I'm probably being on the slightly cautious side. Yeah, I gave and yeah, I think you could probably mark, mark each of mine up by one. All right. But I gave Bentley seven. I thought he did some great saves uh, and uh, a couple of times made his body big and smothered. So he's got a seven. Hunt's got a seven for me. Viner a six, uh, Tyler, Taylor Moore, I gave him an eight. Now, you could argue there's a few others worth an eight. I thought he was more composed. He took the ball well out of defence. He did a great tackle later on when we were 1-0. Uh, so he's got my eight. Uh, I say Viner and Mawson six. That last tackle that Moore did, or sorry, one of the last saves that Bentley did, Mawson was caught napping there. So I'd probably be in harsh giving them a six. Tommy Rowe a seven. Uh, Backinson, Pato and Vyman well, you could say sevens for all three. I gave Vyman a six, but then that's just me. And then up front, Wells and Martin, I gave them both sevens. But uh, anybody, any of you three guys disagree with that or is that largely what you said, uh, Ian, while I was out of the room? I, no, I, I gave, um, you, you know, you're, you, you said you'd mark a lot of people up um, as an eight. I mean, I, I think... If I had to pick a man of the match, it would probably be Taylor Moore because I thought I really liked the way he brought the ball out of defence without losing it. And it really opened up opportunities to get the ball going and get it moving forward. Um, and everybody woke up a bit in the second half. I think in the, in the second half, I think everybody in the team, with the possible exception of uh, Taylor Moore and Zach Viner, took their game up about 20% and were better at doing what they could do. 
And I think in the end, that's that's why we were so much better in the second half. Um, yeah, and, just uh, just on, on Taylor Moore, um, I was chatting to someone in the week about this, actually, and uh, he's kind of done quite a few of those bursted runs out of the back a few times this season. But it's almost been a bit kind of like he gets the halfway line is a bit of a nosebleed. We were talking about Webster was actually quite similar, although Webster leader was great on the ball, a better passer. Sometimes when he made those runs forward, he kind of run into a bit of a dead end. And that's what I felt that had happened with Taylor Moore over the first few games of the season. But today, what he did, when once he burst through, I know there was one where he, he kind of went the length of the pitch, but most of the times when he got into that space, he then showed a bit more composure and found a pass. There was one in the second half where you think, oh God, he's going to run straight into trouble again. And he flicked a ball out, I think it was to, to Vyman, and we went again. And I, and I thought that showed a real kind of maturity in his play that he's, Hopefully, someone's given him some feedback and said, when you get past that first press, you've got a bit more time than you actually realise. Actually, you can use the ball more effectively. And I thought he did that really well today. I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, I think I think that's the other thing that I mentioned today, was, and we might come on to it later on, but Taylor Moore is another one of those where there's a contract on the table and it's not been signed. And, and that really is something we need to resolve with about six players in our squad. So uh, we, we need to make sure we do that. Yeah. Mark, what do you think? Uh, somebody's put on here, uh, one of our listeners, uh, I think it's uh, BB79. How much do we put this down to Holden and the way he is managing to impose us on the opposition rather than going 1-0 up and thinking we've got to hang on to this? Is, is that down to Dean or do you think he's really benefiting uh, from the two coaches that he's gone alongside him? Mark, what's your view on that? Yeah, was Dean suppressed under the Johnson regime? Well, the difference with Dean is he's decided to go out and play 3-5-2 in every single game. I I would imagine that with Simpson and Downing, that's really helped the younger players because they work with the England youth set-up and his mentors, they've they've done a hell of a lot of work with them. But I think we've been fearless in those those games. Uh, And apart from the Coventry game, we haven't been overrun. We, well, the Villa game you could probably write off. We haven't been overrun by teams uh, since we put Backinson in there, and Taylor Moore's played in, in this right position on the right side uh, of central defence. I mean, in Coventry, that's all over the place. He was playing on the le- on, as a left centre back, but I think it's deep, it's players knowing their positions. But he's but hasn't been afraid to throw players forward, and it's all about trust. Dean's trusted those players. I mean, Johnson wouldn't invariably make uh, substitutions on the 60-minute mark. It was, you know, like like clockwork most games, 60 minutes, and, and he chucked somebody on. Dean t- would trust those players, and they repaid him in spades. I mean, who'd have thought something like Chris Martin, 31 years old, looks a journeyman player, is our is our first choice, uh, number uh, number nine. And he's been excellent. Uh, Naki Wells, yeah, and Tyreek Backinson, well, he'd, been, he'd have been six six or seven choice midfielder with the players that we that we bought. So I give Dean a hell of a lot of credit in, in that respect. And he's a rookie manager and he's got three wins on the board. So it's, it's yeah, easy, isn't it, as management, well. Lark? He's done well. If I was Dave, doing, but if, come back to what... I was yeah, being a bit facetious, Dave. Yeah. I'd have probably said at halftime, Lee Johnson would have made a double substitution and changed us to 4-4-2. And, and I don't think it's, you know, any coincidence that, that Dean said... They just had a little chat at halftime, kept it calm, just made a couple of little tweaks that probably, you know, most of us people aren't even picking up from, from you know, watching the game. But it turned the tide. And I think that shows he really trusts in this system that he's got. He also trusts the players to play that system and, and the roles that he's, he's, he's given each of them. And, and we came out, we stepped it up a bit, and it was more than enough to then be what I think is a pretty decent Sheffield Wednesday team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then I mean again. There's been another thread on the OTIB. You look at the teams that we've played, and you know none of them are uh, what you would call high-ranking teams. Maybe Stoke. I mean, they got their first win yesterday, but we've not, we've looked in control in all three games to a different level than what we ever looked under uh, Johnson. Certainly, the last couple of years that he was there. Let's move on to injuries and contracts. We always talk about injuries, contracts and transfers. We always talk about this, but until the window shuts, it's still going to feature in the uh, in, in the conversations we're having. I'll look at injuries first. Morel, tight calf. Now, Ian and I were speaking offline during the game. Ian, tight calf, when a player's got that, 
that means he's sort of could play, might make the bench, but you know he's 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 one game away. We've been back for three weeks since the international break, and you said to me offline, you know, if the next international break he does get called up by Wales and plays, we ain't going to be very happy about that. So, what do you think is underlying with Morel? Is it is it a tight calf, or is it a bit more than that? I I don't think it's any more than an injury. There were rumours about. Uh, a bid from Watford, but that uh, checking it, the Watford end, no, nothing there uh, on that. And they, they tend to be looking abroad rather than at home. Um, we've got one very serious injury, which is Baker, who's out until Christmas. And, and to link it into out of contract, he's out of contract in, in a few months later. Uh, and at Christmas, obviously, he's able to talk to other clubs about a move if, if he doesn't want to stay here. The one that really concerns me is Liam Walsh because um, Dean Holden said, well, he came back from Coventry and, and he had a bit of a quad injury. Um, and that was, well, he came back in March. So uh, I'm not, I'm concerned about that. Um, I don't think he picked that up, Ian, until they, they came back from post-COVID. So it wasn't done in March. It was back in kind of like, I think it was like June, July when they were coming back playing those games there. So it wasn't somebody out of Coventry. But that's, but that's still three months, Dave. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. and, and, and that's not, you know, that's not, I mean, a bit of a knock, a bit of a quad. I'm expecting somebody back in a couple of weeks. So we need to look at that. He's another one who, who's out of contract um, in the yeah. summer. Then you've got Thomas Callas. Now, the last I've heard on that is it's a month to two months. Well, which is it? Because if it's two months, we definitely, definitely, definitely need to go out and bring in another centre-back because we've got three fit ones. And they've given us an update on that, Ian, this week, haven't they, with Thomas Callas, that basically they've, they've, they've had a, they've gone and had his uh, assessment. He's not dislocated it. He's got a little bit of soreness from a kind of you know ligament around the shoulder. And it really, it seems to be that it's how much pain is feasible to play with. So I don't think he's in, you know, he's out for a month or two. I think if, you know, he could even be back ready to compete for for Forest next week. I think the last thing we want to do I mean, is be... play, play, play him and actually give him the international break to, to get himself fully fully. Well, he's 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 a yeah he's another one that I'd be totally offended if if he trooped off um, to play for the Czech Republic and um, and didn't complete his rehabilitation because he's got form on that. Um, Joe Morel, honestly, don't know, but normally a tight calf. I mean, if you've torn a calf muscle, it's a lot longer than a, than a month. But if it's a tight calf, then I would hopefully he'll be back at the latest after the international break, possibly next week. Yeah. Calibo Dowd, I heard, was going well. Um, and I'd expect him back not long after, um, the same time as Joe Williams, after the international break at the latest. Um, and Joe Williams confirmed on Robin's TV commentary that he would be uh, available for selection after the international break. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, on the, the injuries front, yeah, on the injuries front, it's. I mean, the thing is that 2017-18 season, which was the zenith of Johnson's time in charge, he did well because he had limited players at his disposal. And guys, I'll let Mark come in here. You know, when these players come back to fitness, right? And as we say, uh, De Silva coming back that was a surprise because we thought he had his shin splints. Williams back in two weeks, but. Let's roll the clock forward five weeks from now. All bar Baker could be fit. What is uh, Dean going to do about his best 11? Does he change it? You know, does he chop and change? Would he run into the same problems that Lee Johnson had? That he's, you know, once you get all the clubs in the bag, you don't know which ones to pick because you've got so many to choose from. What do you think, Mark? I'll put that one well, to you. Well, in that 2017-18 season, I think the return of Zizou upset the apple cart somewhat because he was used to playing with Reed and, and Patterson up front, although not ideal, having two small players. It, yeah. the, the, the passing football really disappeared to hitting it long, long to fam and it, it, it completely changed the dynamic. I don't think that'll happen that this time unless we get injuries to Martin. And we don't know what's going to happen with Zizou in the next few weeks. I, I don't know if there are any offers for him. Um, he's in the final year of his contract. So we'll have to wait and see, but no, I think um, I think I think Dean's going to keep it the same. Players know know their position; they all, they all worked to a system, and we all know how well that worked with a team yeah. like Sheffield United. And they had players who were a lot older up front, in you know, in Billy Sharp and uh, David McAldrick. 
So I think it yes, keeps it sticking to the formula. That's what that's what I say. And yeah. uh, there's going to be a lot of upset players. I think some will have to go out on loan. I mean, when three midfield players come back in and then you've still got Casey Palmer, uh, I, I expect Masengo or Nadja or Palmer, one of those, one or two of those three to go out on loan with the likes of Williams, Walsh uh, and Morell all to come back because they're not. I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah. Let me ask Dave this and it's what Albuquerque, one of our uh, listeners, has typed on the uh, message service. Is when Thomas Callas uh, returns, would he go straight back into the side, Mawson stay on the left, more move to the right to accommodate that, and then drop Zach Viner or push Hunt out? I mean, let's assume Callas comes, but when he does come back, would you agree with what uh, Albuquerque said might happen, or do you think Zach deserves to keep his place, and then it's a case of four into three won't go? I, I... I think, you know, as long as Callas comes back and he's properly fit, I think he'll come straight back in. I think he's a, a top central defender and I think he's experienced. And I, you know, I, I'd like to see him in our team. And I think then you've got the, the, the conundrum of do you then move Tate? Well, I suppose you could play Taylor more central, play Thomas Callas on the right of the, the three, but you've probably got more of Viner fighting for that, that third centre-back position. But I think at times as well, we're going to probably need to rotate. I think, you know, we're going to be getting into, as Ian said, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. There's probably a chance that Alfie Mawson probably might need to take a rest one, one midweek. So I think there's going to be plenty of games yeah. for those guys to play. And I, I, I really don't see it as a picking a best 11. Yeah. I'm I, I kind of consistent with that probably all the way through the summer on this is that it's going to be a, I don't know, a 17, 18, 19 man team. And they'll all have to come in. And we've probably got too many for a 17, 18, 19 at the moment. That's another, another question. But I think Callas will come in and play the, play the lion's share of games when he's back fit. Yeah. I mean, everybody seems to be howling for us to go out and get another defender if Callas is going to be out for two months. Let's assume he is. Now, there was a talk last week that Backinson could slot into the back three. And the problem is, if you go out and buy another player, he's got to be better than what you've got. And then do you have him on loan to the end of the season? And then you're creating even more of a, you know, a, a, a doubling up in the positions that you can't cope with because we come on to the fixtures coming up. We've got Forest away next week. Then, as people have said, with fixture overcrowding from the 10th of October until the 3rd, we've got a uh, 3rd of November, we've got six matches in, uh, what's that? That's about 24 days. You know, it is week in, week out. But would it not be better maybe to put... Uh, Backinson in the back three, or even Tommy Rowe, as he did play against Villa, and not every side is going to be as good as Villa were with their 17 million player. I mean, what does uh, anybody think of that view, that maybe no. we shouldn't transfer, we should maybe push Backinson that's, back Well, that's, a, that's exactly why you need a squad. You have a squad of players, and there's no mm. club I know in the, in professional football that has, that, unless it's a, an incredibly, if you will, poorer club, that, that has a squad of only 18 players because that's a match day squad and no one else. Now, you yeah. could say, you know, if, I, mean, I suppose if you're, you know, with great respect to them, somebody like Macclesfield or Mansfield or somebody like that, you say, well, okay, we'll have 18, if you will, senior pros and then we'll bring uh, the kids in. But we don't need to do that. And if you want to get out of the championship, um, you, you need a strong squad of players. So, as Dave said, you, you need to rotate. Backinson's a young kid. So, we, you know, we don't want to wear him out and, and, and play him every single game. If you can bring Williams in for one and he plays one and then Walsh comes in for another one uh, instead of Pato or, you know, however you do it, because the players are slightly different. You know, Morell and Walsh are different players from uh, Patterson in particular. So I think, you know, if you've got a strong squad and if you're winning games, uh, people will be happy. Now, if before the um, uh, home window closes, which I think is about October the 15th or 17th, if we can get a player out, uh, either sold or on, on a long-term loan, or a player or two, that's fine. But don't go bananas and leave yourself having to reshuffle the team in the way that you've described every time you get an injury to a central defender. I just think it's a bit pointless. Bearing in mind, you could get to Christmas and Baker says, or before that, and Baker says, well, I'm not going to sign a new contract. I want to move. So you flog him then, and then you've got the lone player already in position. 
that's if somebody wants to buy him, of course, when he's been out of action by then for, for four months. I mean, these are problems. Mm. I mean, Dave, the in the room we, as well, we, we looked at that starting lineup and the bench. Go on, Mark, what were you going to say about the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room, of course, the bigger known is COVID. We just don't know. I mean, it's, it's likely to touch this squad at some point in the season. It will affect other squads, and we just don't know when. At the moment, we've got two two players for every position. And if you look at Molson, he's had knee injury problems in the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, you do want to rotate the squad, and I think signing another central defender is imperative. And, you know, we've got the chance of having a very good central def- uh, defensive unit there, even if it's even if it's six players or, or, or four players rotating into three. Two clean sheets uh, and, you know, one single goal against Coventry. I think we're really going in the right direction in terms of defending because we certainly weren't at the end of last season. We were leaking goals and we had a terrible uh, goals against. No, we did, definitely. I mean, those players that were left out didn't even make the squad today. And everybody's saying players have got to go. Um, The ones that were left out today... Noige, to quote the uh, commentator. <laughs> Noige, and then we had to Diju, and uh, and I think there was a girl on Sky Sports as well calling Sheffield Wednesday midweek, calling them Chef. You know, now in my language, <laughs> if you're going to abbreviate it, it's either going to be the Owls or Wednesday. But to Dave, look, Naj, Noige, Masengo, and Palmer. I mean, Palmer didn't, he was great against Northampton. It was Northampton, but he wasn't that great the other night against Villa. He's the only one. Is he that would be sold? Because we're not going to get rid of this. What, what, what do you think, Dave? Any of those three? Think, would you, you know, put Mark your mortgage Johnson. on any of those three going before the 15th of August, October? Um, those three. I, I don't know about that, but I, I think there's a, a strong likelihood that a couple will go out through the door in some shape or form. Uh, I think we need to, you know, the, I guess the, Mark talked about COVID being an elephant in the room. I guess baby elephant in the room is, is budgets. Yeah, how much money we've actually got. You know, at the moment, we've we haven't made a I'll call it a transfer profit so far this summer, and we've pretty much been reliant on that to keep our heads above FFP over the, the last few years. So there's got to be some give, I think, in that in that respect. And I think you know any group of probably four or five players. If I kind of just reel off a few of them, you've got Jiju, Elias, and Palmer, O'Dowder, and Naj. Those, those five are probably players who could attract some value in the market if we were to yeah. sell them. don't think it's going to be easy to sell players because of wages. Um, and in which case, what you might say is actually someone like, let's just give Casey Palmer as an example. Um, you might be able to move him on loan and someone pick up all his wages for the rest of the season than you'd will to someone to buy him and take his wages as well. So I think we've got those dynamics to, to worry about. But I, mm. I certainly see a couple going out, out through the door. And I think then we'll have a, a competitive group of people there that Dean Holden thinks these all fit the way that I want to play. They all know what their roles are. And, you know, we, we, you know, we should still have enough to be able to take a risk on injuries, for example. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a bit of versatility in that squad as well, even within yeah. the, the confines of playing 3 5 2. Yeah, and I think that with um, the situation with Fam, just from some contacts that I've got in France, um, no one is prepared to pay the fee that City want and they won't pay the wages that City have offered him. His agent is still tr- agitating to get him to move. He doesn't want to go to Turkey. Um, and uh, there was some other interest from Saudi Arabia where obviously money wouldn't be an issue. But possibly that, but possibly the standard of football would. Um, I'm not. Uh, uh, I, I've just got this horrible feeling about Farm and uh, Nicholas Eliasson that had they wanted to sign, uh, they would have done by now. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Farm. You know, there was interest. You know, allegedly from Dijon, uh, but I think we we need to um, lower our perhaps our. Our demands on how much money we want want for him, if, if that's going to happen, um, and I think that's always going to be the dilemma in this market at the moment. Of course. So next summer, when he can go on a free, he can get what he wants, can't he? You know, and that's it. But then, if I was him in this, as you say, the elephant in the room, COVID this time next summer, you know, 
football clubs' budgets probably across the globe are going to be very different as they are now as clubs cut their lining according to their cloth. We talk about FFP and having saleable assets. I mean, you have to say that if Backinson and Semenyo are playing 30 games or more each this season and featuring in a side that's going to be in the top six all season, one of those could be sold next summer for big money if they carry on the way they are. But, I mean... Mark, Masengo, he came here with such high hopes. He was this player that came from France, you know, a big European club, come here. He has regressed. What do you, what do you put that down to, Mark? Was it too much too soon for him? Well, I think he, 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 played, he played well in the League Cup game against QPR last season when we lost on penalties, and he had a great game against Derby when we won up there 2-1. But mm. I think the physical nature of the championship has, has, has really cost him. He's just not used to that type type of football but would he play better with better players players around him um i mean he, he got totally exposed in in the first game and was rightly dropped and, and of course backington has taken his shirt and there's no way that he's going to take it off him now but i think it's just the physicality i think he's bulked up a little bit mm. but uh he just tends to get caught in caught in possession and Ian said this before, what is he? A defend- he's not a defensive midfield player. He's not a, an attacking midfield player. What is he? He hasn't scored any goals. He hasn't. I don't think he's made any assists. So, I mean, what value does he add to the team, you could say? So he's likely to be a player that you think would go out on loan. But he, really, he just really hasn't adapted to the, to the physical nature of the championship, I think, because technically he's a good player. But he just keeps getting caught in possession a lot. No, he does. He does. Let's take it away from City slightly and look at the uh, the way the championship table is uh, shaping up. I mean, it's early days, three games gone. But Ian, early season pace setters, other than ourselves, Reading, that's a bit, comes as a bolt out of the blue, hasn't it? And then the other one that seems to be, they got a good win yesterday, I'll be against Derby. Blackburn Rovers, Ian, any thoughts on Reading and Blackburn? Blackburn under Mowbray, you're always going to be there or thereabouts. Reading, I don't even know who their manager is. I think it's a foreign guy. I did check it out. Don't know his name. But uh, are they surprised that both of those are up there challenging, particularly Reading? I think if you if you look at the um, if you look at the table early season, there are some clubs up there that you would think you would have looked at before the start of the season. I'm thinking clubs like uh, Bournemouth and Watford. And you'd have thought, yeah, I could see Bournemouth and Watford as relegated clubs, providing they hang on to most of their better players, being a, being a, a very difficult side to beat and a side that could score a few goals. So I'm not surprised that Swansea um, are up there with seven points. There, uh, so and and they had a, a freak result, some might say, against Forest um, to get to the playoffs. So. I don't think you can take an awful lot of notice in the season, but I would say I'm a lot happier to be, you know, top of the table than I would to be mid-table on three points and looking around and scratching our head and thinking, well, did we do the right thing with Dean Holden? So I, I would say if you're looking at a sack race, I think we've you look you can start to look at Derby County with uh, Philip Kaku. You can look at Forest. Uh, who seem to be backing the guy. They seem to be spending an awful lot of time and money uh, on players. Um, the other one that I might, that I'd look at as uh, an outsider in the league below is, uh, is Ben Garner. Oh, the gas. I mean, uh, yeah. let me come to Dave uh, on, on that point. We'll come back. You picked up on the sack race, which uh, was going to be our next, Topic. I'll just let Dave, because he's back in the room. Your thoughts on the, the early season pace setters? Somebody's already said on here, actually, that uh, a side, any side that Mowbray runs is going to get better year on year. Blackburn are, are lurking. They're looking dangerous, aren't they, Dave? And, and Reading, maybe, you know, that's a bit of a fluke. What people might say that about us being three out of three. Your thoughts, though, Dave? Yeah, I, I think if we, if we look at Blackburn to start with, kind of evolving their team under, under Mowbray, um, Players who, you know, I was chatting to someone again the other night about Ben Brereton, who they signed for about eight million from Nottingham Forest a couple of seasons ago, who's, who's not really done a lot there, who I thought was really good against us in the first match post-COVID. And they've moved him into this kind of like left forward position. 
and he's he's a big old unit and they're kind of hitting loads of diagonals to him and what this has enabled them to do is to move adam armstrong who's a really really top player at this level into the center forward role so they kind of swap things around whereas armstrong was coming off the wing last year he's now in the center and he's because he got five goals in three games, something something like that as well. So I think they've just you know evolved their way of playing. They've got a really good player in the middle of the park in in um, in Johnson, who's a real strong guy. And I think it'd be you know when we play a team like that who are really physical, we'll we'll know a lot more about I think Bristol City on that. I think you know Reading, you know one of those teams. You know every year there's a team that kind of comes out the blocks flying. Uh, we'll see where they are perhaps in a month's time and see whether they're still up there. I think yeah. some of the other. Strong sides will be teams like Watford, I think, will be pretty strong. Brentford are starting to make their move now. Yeah, the usual uh, suspects. You know, going back to Sac- Sac- yeah, from that point Sac- of view. Sac Race, you know. Dar- Derby and Forest. Sac Race, yeah. Ian, yeah. Derby and Forest. Koku and Lamucci, they must be having a bit of a fight at the moment. It's a case of like, hold my beer. <laughs> Who's going to get sacked first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you drop down a division, as Ian said, uh, there's Ben Garner at Rovers. And then. Uh, I saw uh, one thread in, uh, in somewhere earlier today. Kenny Jackett's under a bit of pressure at, uh, at Pompey. I mean, if you look at Wickham, who've also lost three in a row, I think Gareth Ainsworth has probably got a free hit for getting them up to this level. But guys, on all those names that we mentioned, Koku, Lamucci, Jackett, not Garner, job for Johnson, perhaps? I'll come to you first, Ian, on that. You know, th- these are the sort of clubs that if Lee's going to get back into football... They're bound to be on. He's bound to be on their radar, or or not. Well, my my consideration. The first thing I'd want to know is whether Lee was paid off, um, and that would have been about one point five million, uh, or whether he's being paid a wage until such time as he finds a job. Because obviously that will make a big difference into where he goes. Because he's not going to want to go to a club that's going to pay him a lot less that he feels hasn't got much of a chance uh, of improving, I wouldn't suggest. So I don't know the details of his payoff, and it, but his wages were publicised round about the time of, of COVID because well done to the guy. He and Mark Ashton took cuts, whereas, uh, as I mentioned before, our players took a deferral. Um, and, you know, where his salary was only mentioned in that context in the local media. Now, if the club... And as a rule these days, particularly I'm, I'm thinking it, it, the frugal times we're in, they don't write the manager a cheque like they used to to pay off his contract. They just say, well, OK, you've got a three-year contract. We'll pay you for the next three years if you don't get another job. Um, so, you know, you can do the first year and then you're going to be looking around thinking, well, yeah, if I'm out of the frame for three years, people are going to be asking me what the hell I'm doing. Um, yeah. And why haven't you got why thinking I'll be out of the frame for jobs and then I'll have to take something much further down the pyramid. So um, I, I would have thought if Derby um, sacked their manager, I would have, I would have thought they, they'd take a look at Lee Johnson. I can't see why not. Well, he played for them a bit and even his dad wasn't manager there. Dave, do you think uh, Lee's got a chance in any of those jobs? I mean, Ian makes a very good point, you know, that if he is being paid, and I think that's what happened with Cottrell, that he didn't take his, um, you know, he, he was sat at home doing nothing and still pulling the wage. But do you think Lee would feature with a club like Derby? Your thoughts on that? Um, you would think that his name would be mentioned. And I think it would be, if it isn't mentioned, then, you know, you dread to think kind of, you know, what the, the public or, you know, the, the football world's impression of Lee Johnson is. Um, so I expect him to be named in the frame. I don't think actually either club would be a great place for Lee Johnson to go to at the moment. I think Forrest looked like they could be a bit going back to the basket case ways. And Derby, where, where's all their money? You know, it's all been sold off, hasn't it, with the, you know, the ground. So I don't think they're as stable a club as they, as they look as well, for, certainly from the outside looking in. But sometimes, you you know, as, as a manager, you've got to get back into work and show what you can do. So I expect him to be in a frame. Whether he, whether he gets it or not, yeah. he wants it is another question. Mm. Yeah, Steve's made an interesting point here. He said he'd be better looking at Pompey. And if you're Lee Johnson, and let's say, I can't remember, Ian, what the actual his salary is, but if you're Lee Johnson and Pompey come knocking, because they haven't got any money, a lot of money, but you say to Steve, 
Lions analysts say, look, Steve, if I sit on my ass and do nothing for three years, it's going to cost you 1.2 million, say. Yeah. But I've got the chance of getting yeah. this job at Pompey. So I'll tell you what I do. They, they're offering me a three year contract, right, at X. But what I'll do, Steve, I will take a final settlement from you of half a million, right? So you give me half a million and you ain't got to pay the rest. And then I'll back myself to take Pompey from League One to the Championship, which is probably capable of doing it. It astounds me why Pompey do struggle when they seem to get big gates, even, you know, at, the, at that level. But can you see Lee maybe taking that type of option, you know, where you go to your ex-employer and say, look, here's a deal. They can save some yeah, money. Yeah, I can I, get yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you? It depends how much he wants to get back into the game and what level he thinks he can get into the game at. It may be that he's thinking, well, I, I perhaps I'll, I'll go and get a... Um, I'll get a lower job at a bigger club. So let's say, I don't know, let's make something up. Let's say that Pep offered him uh, a job coaching the under-23s at Man City. Mm. He might think, well, I'm going to go there. I can learn a lot more. And then when the a job becomes available, in the same way that um, Huddersfield got their manager from Leeds, he was an assistant to Bielsa, and uh, Arteta at Arsenal was assistant to Pep, um, then there might be an opportunity come to him that way when he's learnt more and learnt more about the top level. It, 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 I think it's where he sees himself and how he sees himself proving a point. Um, um, and I, I, I really, really like what, him to do something like that. He can actually take a assistance job at, a, let's say, a bigger Premier League club, like you know, as you suggested there at Man City, and learn yeah. what it's like to be on the other side of the, the fence. Where you know, yeah, the good cop, bad yeah. cop dynamic of manager and assistant. He's not done that. He's only ever been a manager, and I always think that was one thing that kind of let him down in some respects. You know, once again outside look, looking in, that he missed. You know, and we, we're, you know, perhaps we're seeing with Dean Holden that maybe he didn't listen to Dean Holden as much as he should have done. Who knows? But you know, that's just kind of my look, speculation on that. But I don't think he'll do it. Yeah, I think Mark, you come in there. You have, you have you have your word. You have a little word. Yeah, on I mean, that, he got. He got his first job at, at Oldham in, 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 League, in League One when he was about 32, 33, and then left there when the Chet Evans thing got a bit too hot and they were looking to bring Chet Evans in and had a huge public backlash about that and was only at Barnsley for a season and he lost eight games in a row and he was lucky. He wasn't he sacked and after getting knocked out the uh, FA Cup by altering him. He was very fortunate to get the City job. He wouldn't qualify for that and he had one... Decent season in 2017-18. Ran out of steam the following season. I can't see him getting a job in the championship currently. I mean, look at someone like Steve Cottrell. We stormed League One. He, I think apart from Birmingham City for a very short period of time, he hadn't got a, a job at this level. I mean, COVID-19 has changed the world. But if you talk about the top of this conversation, some like Derby have always seemed to have delusions of grandeur. With, I mean, we're getting some like Koku and Mel Morris spent an absolute fortune on, on Wayne Rooney. What's he on a week? I mean, he was on ridiculous money still, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, I can't imagine Rain, Wayne Rooney if Johnson got that job and Wayne Rooney sitting there listening to uh, to Lee Johnson telling him how to play. But there we go. No. Guys, we thought, <laughs> we, we, look, I mean, not almost to a man because Dave was always a voice of, uh, of, of reason, but we, we derided the appointment of Dean Holden two months ago in varying degrees. Yeah, I think we were all reasonably balanced here. And I think probably what we derided most was the fact that the board raised our expectations. And it's no coincidence that uh, neither Chris Hewton nor Paul Cook have found themselves in a job just yet. But Dean Holden, nice human being, everything he does is press reports after the game, is pre-match. He was in the Three Lions for three hours yesterday, apparently, with fans. Dave, I'll come to you. He has done everything that could be asked of him. And he's got even more goodwill than he had when he was almost thrown the poison chalice of getting the number one job. He's, he's done exceptionally well so far on every aspect of the role, hasn't he, Dave? Yeah, he has. Top, top human being, isn't he? Um, no, I, <laughs> I, you know, I've met the guy a few times and, and nothing surprises me about how he's come across. He's just a good, decent person. And he's got a good football brain on him as well. And, and I think we're, we're starting to see that. And what we're also seeing is 
kind of principles and consistency of selection. And I think, yeah. you know, anyone who's been in a, a football dressing room at a reasonable level will know there's nothing worse than seeing players pick week after week who are playing crap or don't deserve it, or someone won't be given a chance, get one game, don't play very well, and I left out. And I don't think that's Dean Holmes where I think what he's got is a lot of buy-in from the squad as a result. And I think that will take him, you know, yeah. take him no, further that's, than, that's you know, true. perhaps a lot of and people. And Ian, you're, you're... Yeah. Ian, you're, uh, you're um, uh, a, a critic along with me, but, you know, we can't fault what he's done so far, can we? No, you can't. But the problem that that we had, or I had, with the appointment of Dean Holden wasn't Dean Holden. They could have appointed Sackley Johnson on Monday and appointed Dean Holden on Tuesday. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had a problem with it. And if the club had said, "Look, we've got COVID. We don't know where we're going to be in terms of fans and all the rest of it, but we think Dean's a great guy and he can he can take us forward," everybody would have gone, "Well, yeah, okay, fair enough." The problem was that Steve Lansdowne did the did the Billy Big Shoes advert on Talk, Talk. Sport, yeah, and 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 said we're going to go out and get a, a world class coach to take us to the next level. You had Mark Ashton talking about applications coming in from all quotes all over the world. So to do that and to do this process for six weeks. Um, the, exactly the same thing. If you look back, happened with Lee Johnson, and at that time. We were thinking, well, it's going to be Nigel Pearson. It's going to be uh, Brendan Rogers. It's going to be, and then it was all of a sudden, ladies and gentlemen, Lee Johnson. And everyone, he was always oh. our number one choice, Lee Johnson. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you get this thing, and and people go, oh god, what? Well, not again, you know. And I still, you know, I I still say, um, in order to believe the process and and all the noise around it. You, You'd have to think that uh, Dean Holden was the best available coach in the world for, <laughs> Brist for Bristol City, and I don't think I don't think Dean Holden would call himself the best available coach in the world at the time. Um, and but what, what yeah. I, the same thing I said at the time was more power to him, and I hope he does a Chris Wilder because that's yeah. a, a similar type. Although yeah. Wilder was a more experienced and successful manager before. That's more of the more of the type of arrangement we get, yeah. and if we could do what Sheffield United have done, happy and, days. You know, happy happy days. Day. Yeah, and somebody's put on here. There's a touch of the Sean Dyche about him as well, although he doesn't. He's a bit more easier to understand than Sean Dyche and the way he talks. Right, it's not quite we said everything. Either, is he? <laughs> it's it's true. Long, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, right. So we said everything blocks of ten, and Ian said after ten games, are we going to be serious contenders? we'd expect to have 18 plus. I said we'd be happy, and I think you might have done as well, Dave. Tw anything above 12 was success. We've got nine points from three games. I'll read the next fixtures coming up. Forest away, then there's a week off, then Barnsley away, Borough home. And you could argue that those three sides, Forest, Barnsley and Borough, are probably in the same category of those that we've played. But then the tough ones come. Swansea home, Bournemouth away, Norwich home, and then uh, Huddersfield away. And although it's game 11, it's Cardiff away after that. But they're no great shakes this season. So three games gone, seven in the first block of 10. Guys, I'll come to you first, Mark. Do the maths. Right, The other guys have got a bit longer. How many points do you think we will have after 10 games? So after the Huddersfield game, we're on nine now. Look at those next seven. Yeah, Where do you think we'll be? And I'm going to write it down and save it for... Just, just tell me where we got again very quickly. Right. After so, the other two, Mark, Mark and uh, sorry, Ian and uh, Dave can do it as well. Forest away, yeah. then a week off, Barnsley away, Borough home, Swansea home, Bournemouth away, Norwich home, Huddersfield away. That's seven games. Yeah, seven games. That'll take us out of 10. So, you first, Mark. Where do you think we'll be? Number um, of points. Don't need I'd it, Matt. Say... Just total number of points. I'm going to go 20 points. All right. Dave, same for you. Um, 19. Mark, 19. And Ian? Uh, next seven games pick up 15 points plus the nine we got now. That gives us, that gives us 24. All right. Hang on, uh, what's happened to Ian? 
<laughs> I, said Ian, on, I said on earth, Ian's going to be a chirpy chappy. But the real, hang on, what's Ian? What's going on? This this yeah, line's what, a bit funny. What's going on? Yeah, what? Yeah, what we want to know is what you've done with Ian, and 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 where is he? <laughs> It release was that, him. It was that hand gel that we were using in the last episode because we are in the same. He's not. Yet. He's not drinking it, is he? <laughs> yeah, I've had loads of that. It's all right, isn't it? Um, no, I, I just think why? Why not? I'm looking at yeah. four wins. Um, Forest in Barnsley. However, you look at it, if you're going to be a successful team, let's liken us yeah. to Brentford. Brentford yeah. of last season, right? If you're going to be a successful team, those are both winnable games. I think. Yeah. Um, so you've got four wins. Four wins gives you 12 points. The other games you mentioned, for example, Swansea, you probably take a point. Uh, and there was two other games where I thought, yeah. Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth uh, away, Norwich at home, you could lose both of those and you'd still hit that criteria, wouldn't you? Yeah. Or would you? Yeah. I mean, so you'd, have you, 22. you'd have 22. If you did 3 1 2, you'd have 22 uh, points. No, 19. You said 4 1 2. Sorry, that's right. 4 1 2. Is I seven. want to know about negative yeah. Dave, though. I mean, negative Dave. Which, what, what's me? What's going on? Oh, Dave. No, Dave, no, Dave. Dave. Other Dave. 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 Other Dave. Dave. Yeah, what's going on, just... Dave? I probably just see the, a kind of batch of draws <laughs> in there. And I think, that, yeah. I think that's kind of, you know, I think they're looking at them, there's not a there's a couple of games in there I think we'll win. And I think there's quite a few that we we might draw in there and there's probably going to be a yeah. defeat along the way. And that's kind of where I am. I'm probably 2-4-1, two, two, 10 points, take us to 19. I th- yeah, I think well, I've put, I've, put, I've put 21. So, let's say it's uh, you, Dave, 19, Mark, 20, Albuquerque said 20. Uh, Steve, looking for a number for you, if you're still there in the background, text it to me now. Uh, I've said 21, which is, I think, where we were after 10 games, the 17-18 season. I'll stand corrected. Ian said a very, very optimistic uh, 24. It'd be fantastic if they are. My partner, Mal, she said to me, it's going to be typical Bristol City. They'll probably get promoted and you won't even see a single game during the season. And I think that's a big worry for all of us. <laughs> this, this, second yeah. wave, this second wave of, or this second way of addressing COVID with the lockdown, yeah, you know, I, we're not going to be walking back into grounds uh, this side of Christmas. No doubt about that. And if we see any games this season, I think we'll have done well, which is ridiculous. But um, I think we'll be very lucky uh, until we get a vaccine. It's just not going to be the same, Dave. I, I just can't see it being the same. No, but I must admit, it's quite nice. I don't know what you guys feel, but it's, it's different. But, you know, doing sitting there with a glass of wine, watching it. I think the coverage, we said this last week, the coverage from Robin's TV and what have you is, is pretty damn good. And I don't know about you, but I find doing this podcast afterwards, it sort of helps with a little bit of a banter to do with what you'd have with your mates on a match day. I mean, would you agree with that, Dave Fevs? That, you know, it's, we'll be lucky if we're in grounds this side of, our say, March. What do you think? Yeah, it looks pretty unlikely. I, I guess, you know, Sure of there being vaccine, I suppose there's 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 hope that there there could be some treatment to you know mitigate some of the impacts of it. But yeah, it's it's certainly Christmas. There ain't gonna be anything this side of Christmas. I can't, no, I can't see. Sad, very sad. Anyway, guys, look, we've just done over the hour, sixty six and a half minutes. I need to edit out that little chunk when I was uh, absent. I am getting a new pair of headphones courtesy of uh, Amazon tomorrow. Uh, although although uh, although other although other places are you know are equally as good. Remember that, listeners. Other other, other, other brands are available. Other brands, yeah. I could have gone <laughs> to uh, what are they called now? Curries, or I could have gone down to the range. I could have gone to lots of places, yeah, but uh, uh, we, <laughs> my headphones are not being sponsored by uh, anybody. But look, uh, guys, it's been great to have you all in. Lots of intelligent uh, chat, as usual. I think we're all happy chappies. You know, it's really good the way they played. First half, as I said, I was like, you know, but we got the results and we killed this team like we killed Stoke the week before. An old Bristol City probably would have ended up drawing that one. Yeah, let a goal in late on. But uh, we are where we are. Get, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for all those that have listened live. A good one of our better audiences. Uh, and there was me saying that people only listen when they have something to moan about. We've got plenty to be uh, happy about at the moment. And uh, it, it, it feels good. And good for Dino. I certainly need to eat humble pie and probably 50% of the supporters base do as well. But... It is early days, but long may it More hold and ball, please. More hold and ball. Dave, I'm sure you'll be doing your analysis. As I say, if we do the Zoom stuff, and we might even be able to do some share 
screen 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 sharing. But look, the final score: pressure Chef, on. Chef. Well, no, Bristol City two, Chef Wed nil. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, and uh, we'll uh, speak to you all after the Forest game, which is on a Saturday, which will make a change. But uh... it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.